This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 347, recorded on Monday, the 13th of November, 2017. Welcome to the program, everyone. Welcome to the program, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> I'm. You sound excited to be here, but that's good. I am super excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, you're tired. I understand. I'm tired. Sorry. I want to get this uh, done so we can go to bed. Not together, but you know, separately just in our own homes, in our own homes, with our yep. own families. Yeah, and and I have had one hell of a Monday. It has been one of those days, and I think it is the beginning of one of those weeks which is probably going to extend into one of those few weeks and uh, then it'll be Christmas. So that should I've be been good. Having, I've been having one of those lifetimes, Chris. Yeah, I know. I know. One of them. It's been rough. I had a rough day at work today. Uh, I have sure. had far less time to think about this episode of The Walking Dead than I normally do. So let's Did see you how- Did get the... yelled at? No, I didn't get yelled at. I just, I had a, a challenge to overcome today and it ended up taking all frigging day. Oh, I hate that. And and I just feel like I lost an entire day to this stupid challenge. And now I'm behind a day or, you know, most of a day and the, the week, it's just going to have a ripple effect down the week. And then next week did, I'm away for three days in Ottawa doing something. So did it, you try turning it off and back on again? I did a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Just to, checking. to make matters worse, the time I turned it off, when it turned back on again, it wanted to update for 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. Like, when, yeah, yeah, turning it, yeah, turning it off is uh, dangerous. Yeah, Windows Sometimes likes to do that. Sometimes it doesn't want to come back on. Sometimes it wants to do stuff before it comes back on. It's like, hey, you're turning, you're turning it back on. I need to do stuff for the next couple hours. Yeah, that's, well, that happened. It just screwed me up altogether, but... Anyways, let's let's move on from that. We'll see how this goes here. I do want to mention one other thing, though. Last week on the podcast, you uh, name-dropped FilmSack, another popular podcast out there, probably one of the most movie, one of the most popular movie-related podcasts on the internet. One of my favorites. Yeah, and great stuff. Uh, and so they kind of returned the favor this week when they cool. played the clip <laughs> of you talking about... <laughs> Um, the chick in the bucket. Is that what it was? Yeah. Chick in the bucket. Yeah. So they played that clip of, of you talking about it and they were extremely nice. Scott Johnson and the crew over there, super nice about the whole thing. And, uh, it was really fun to hear us on that show. And, and, and I just want to say thanks to those guys because I really think them giving us a shout out is worth a hell of a lot more than us oh, giving yeah. them a shout out. Oh God. Yeah. You remember yeah. that time that Scott Johnson came on the show? It was like seven years ago, nearly. Yeah. So I, I was starstruck. Yeah. Well, he's a big deal. <laughs> he is a big deal. <laughs> Anyways, thanks Film Sack. If anyone wants to check that out, find uh, the Film Sack podcast. I think it's filmsack.com. I'm the jackass though, that on the air, when you asked me, do you listen to them anymore? And I said, oh no, I haven't for years. <laughs> That's okay. I know. I, I listen to this one because. People's uh, interests, you know, come and go. They, uh, you know, you, you probably are going to go back and start listening to this stuff. There's some good stuff on that show. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's what I hear. And, and the one I, I listened to the one this week, it's it, in case you're interested, it's their most recent one about the movie License to Drive. Uh, I listened to that because I had been tipped off that we might be uh, played on there. So super good stuff. Um, all right. 
I want to mention our Season 8 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. This is where you pick your favorite scene from any season of The Walking Dead, record your interpretation of it with your family or your friends or by yourself, and then send it into us. And at the end of the year, we're going to choose our favorite and you'll win a big fancy prize pack. Now, I'm going to play an entry here, or at least part of one, because this is nearly cool. two minutes long. Uh, so I might just play part of it, but uh, this comes from Steve in Upminster, United Kingdom. You push me, and you push me, and you push me, Rick. You just try to blow us up, right? I mean, I get me, my people, but Eugene, he's one of yours. And after what he did... He stepped up. You people are animals. Universe gives you a sign and you just shove your finger right up its ass. <laughs> Dwight, Simon, chop, chop. So you don't like Eugene anymore. You guys gotta like Sasha. I do too. Got a ride here packaged for your convenience, alive and well. Now I brought her so I wouldn't have to kill all of you. And not killing all of you could get complicated. See, I know there's a lot of firepower left in there, Rick. So I'm going to make this simple. I want all the guns you managed to scrape up. Yep, I know about those too. I want every last grain of lemonade you got left. And I want a person of your own choosing for Lucille. Daryl. Ooh, I gotta get my Daryl back. I see you. And the pool table and all the pool cues and chalk. And I want it now! Or Sasha dies. And then all of you. Probably. All right, I changed my mind. I enjoyed listening to that so much, I'm going to keep the whole thing in. <laughs> They're a good boy. <laughs> uh, that was Steve in Upminster, United Kingdom, as Negan, of course, talking to Rick right before all hell breaks loose and Sasha comes out of that casket. Uh, so good stuff, Steve. Thank you for sending that in. If you want to get your entry in, make your recording and email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll play lots more if we can, good. right? Super. Many as we can. All right, Jason, let's move on into Season 8, Episode 4 of The Walking Dead. And I'm just going to say right now, title reads are back with a vengeance. Oh, good. <laughs> so here we go. Just some guy. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is some guy named Jack calling from beautiful British Columbia. Some guy. Uncle Rick. Yep. Is it true you found me in a room guarded by Morales? Yep. So who is my daddy? <laughs> Some guy. <laughs> Who's that at the door? I don't know. It's some guy. Go away. We don't want no canyon. We don't want no magazines either. I'm trying to listen to my podcast. Go away. Hey, uh, you know what? It's a walking dead now. I've just seen some guy. All right, thank you to Gemma in South Wales, Jack in Victoria, BC, Adam in Sydney, Australia, Glenn and his daughter Ruby in sunny England, Damien in Virginia, and Reese the King 
on the internet. Ruby. That's a good name. It is a good name. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If I could all go back and do it over again and have another kid, I might name her Ruby. You could just start calling one of your daughters Ruby. Uh, There's nothing stopping you. Well, other than it being a little weird, but you're right. I guess people have nicknames. Rubes. Hey, Rubes. That's what I'd call her. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, Title reads. Thanks everyone for sending those in. If you want to get a title read in, please email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Let's get into our recap of this episode, Jason. For the cold open, we see Ezekiel. He enters a room, he turns on a light, and he sort of goes through his routine for getting ready for the day, I guess. He he shaves, he works on his dreads a little bit, he gets dressed. Getting into character. This is like, he's got the two mirrors. This is his dressing room as an actor. You go in and you take that time to get ready. I can't tell you... Uh, one of the most important things when I was in the clown band, uh, one of the most important aspects of doing a show, a good show between a good show and a bad show, the uh, deciding factor was the dressing room. Did I have enough time to sit there and uh, go through the whole uh, ritual of putting on the makeup, putting on the costume, doing all that stuff in a relaxed manner and getting into character? So it's very important to take that time uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, your character is ready. And when you go out on stage, you can be that person. You need that, uh, that transition time. Right. And, and that's what he's doing. He was, a he was in community theater, of course. Right. So he knows how right. to go through that process. And, uh, I guess he has to do it every day because all day long is his stage basically. Yeah. Do you really have to, do you have to oil dreads? Like you've had dreads, right? I have not had dreads. <laughs> I had long hair in high school, but no. I had long hair in high school too, but I never had dreads. I just assumed you had dreads at some point. No, no. You seem like a guy that. who had dreads at one point. Well, that's because I've had a giant beard at one point and they uh-huh. sort of go together. I, I feel like not necessarily, but I did oil the beard once in a while. Did you have the, do you have to oil dreads? Do you have to make sure that they're... Uh... Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. It's probably a thing. It, it looked like he was rolling them between his hands, right? To... Yeah. Tighten, tighten them up, maybe? I thought he was putting something on there, like, you know, when you, you have the mustache oil, mustache grease or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, sort anyway, of tried I just that. Well, anyways, he's he's getting ready. He's getting into character. He's just getting ready for the day. And it turns out this is the morning of the good guys, I guess we'll call them, assault on the saviors. So he's getting ready for that day. Now, did you notice his gloves? I did not. Okay, so the gloves he had... Uh, had on the knuckles, uh, there was like bulby, like bulbs on top of the knuckles. I'm just trying, I'm wondering whether or not those are like, uh, brass knuckles built into gloves or whether they were just for protection of some kind. So if anybody knows anything about these gloves, let me know. Like they're not just cycling gloves or, uh, work gloves or anything. They look like they were combat gloves of some kind. So I'm just mm. wondering if anybody knows anything about them because they, they looked interesting to me. He wears finger cut off gloves, right? Were they those yeah. ones? Yeah, they were finger cut off, but uh, the knuckles had something on them, like okay. little balls uh, on top of them that could have been like metal for like when you punch somebody, mm-hmm. it uh, you know doesn't hurt you, but it does more hurt to them. Sure, kind of thing like brass knuckles. I wonder. In. I wonder if even if they're more decorative than anything. I mean, they're gonna hurt when you punch somebody. Yeah, you know. So, I would. Uh, but but so. whether they're designed for that or not, I I don't know. But somebody out there probably does. Yeah, so interesting. Yep. Um, we go outside and we see the kingdom people preparing. They're saying goodbye to their families. It looked like a lot of people saying goodbye to children. So there's, you know, a lot of kids hanging around. 
Uh, Ezekiel comes out and he parts, or all the people part for him as he walks through them. He pets Shiva and he tells Henry, little kid Henry, to fear not and reminds him that he is brave. And then Ezekiel delivers one of his motivational speeches to his people. To me, it felt very similar to the speeches he's been giving all season long. You know, he's telling them that they will face challenges, yet he smiles. He goes through a bunch of different things and, and continues to say, yet he smiles. And it finishes with him and everybody chanting, we are one, as the people sort of close in and circle around him, all trying to like lay their hands upon him. Um, I really, really like this speech. You know, I, yep. I know he's, the speeches in a way are a little bit goofy. And, but this one, while a little bit goofy, didn't feel quite as bad as the others. And I'm not even sure that being goofy is a bad thing anymore, especially the way he does this, because Kari Payton seems to really, really know what he's doing delivering these speeches, because he was great in this scene, I thought. Yeah, it was really well done. I mean, goofy is kind of, uh, I guess it's accepted now. You know, Negan is kind of goofy, uh, you know, in, in his own other way. And then, uh, you know, Ezekiel's kind of goofy in his way. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on, uh, Rick and uh, Daryl are kind of goofy in this episode, which was the whole, as far as I'm concerned, the comic relief portion of the whole season. But we'll get to that. Very true. Uh, uh, so I think goofy is, uh, is the order of the day. The difference for me between Negan and Ezekiel, though, is that Negan is trying to be menacing goofy or maybe I should say goofy goofily menacing and it doesn't work for me Ezekiel is trying to be goofy inspiring and it does work for me right so you get to pick and choose that's nice well it, they're different things right like it's trying to be goofy and frighten people with Negan it doesn't work because I all I can focus on is how kind of ridiculous he is yeah Kari Payton as Ezekiel you know maybe goofy isn't the right word for either of the characters but you, you know what I'm saying right and when he's inspiring people by playing this character, and I think Negan's playing a character too, but when Ezekiel does it, it comes off as inspiring most of the time. I, I will admit that some of the speeches in the that we've seen in the past few episodes in the forest weren't quite as inspiring to me, but right. this one worked really well. Good. What about Jadis? She's kind of goofy in her own way. Well, what's she trying to do? She's trying to be goofy and confusing, and I think that works. Yeah, so she's, I, I guess uh, we have, you know, our leadership of these various uh, bands of people uh, are a little bit twisted in their own ways. It's actually really interesting when you think about it like that. I mean, Jadis is weird, Negan is weird, Ezekiel is weird. Yeah. I mean, Rick has been weird, but he's the most normal of them all when it comes to leaders. Maggie, too, she's pretty straight. Yeah. Or, you know, even Gregory. Gregory's not, like, weird, he's just completely incompetent and kind of a sad sack. Yeah, I wouldn't call him weird or goofy, but you're right, totally incompetent. But definitely, um, you know, definitely a, a strange sort of character, right? Yeah. Like a lot of these, so. So maybe that's what you need to be a leader in the uh, in the zombie apocalypse is uh, just to be a little bit left of center. <laughs> yeah, and if you said every sentence like that, it would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, as I said, everyone is crowding around Ezekiel chanting, we are one. They're extremely pumped up. Everyone is motivated, ready to go. We hard cut back to the end of last week's episode, all the dead kingdom people that have- That was a really nice transition. Just I really enjoyed that. Cut down. You know what it reminded me of? 
And I don't have a specific example of this, but I know I've seen it done in movies, you know, more than once, is when you have a scene of someone's, usually someone's like brutal death or something really disgusting, hard cut to a close-up shot of like a baked ham or a big roast beef oh, yeah. on a on a dinner table, right? And they're they're kind of equating the like gruesome slaughter of a person with the deliciousness of a home cooked meal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the whole opening sequence of Dexter, right? Where he's cooking right. breakfast and it's all slicing and the way they drop frames and it just it looks like he's carving up something and it looks sinister and but it's you know but he's making breakfast. ham and eggs yeah <laughs> you know? yeah no. sounds delicious and i think i might make that tomorrow that does sound good uh the the opening of the opening credits of dexter were were done really well here it was done really well too but i do it reminded me of when they sort of contrast two two things like two opposing things like yeah. that um in this case the happiness cut to everybody dead but still um, hugging yeah, <laughs> not such a happy hug though, Jason. <laughs> well, no, but there's you know they're all cuddled up together. It just happened to be dead, most of them. I guess so. It it was obviously a brutal bloodbath. People's arms were shot off, like just giant bullet holes in in their bodies. So we see a pile of people. Ezekiel digs himself out from under it. Those are the guys that jumped on him. Now his leg is injured. I guess he took a round in the leg or, or some shrapnel or something in the leg and he can't get up. Um, but as he was kind of struggling there, all I could think was I was worried that another shot was going to ring out. And I mean, I didn't really expect him to be sniped and killed, but you know, I, I thought someone would start shooting again and there'd be, you know, bullets hitting the ground around him or something. Right. But I I think it's illegal for, uh, uh, against the Geneva Convention, anyway, to use a, a 50 caliber machine gun against people. I think it's only supposed to be used uh, to disable equipment. Well, here's, well, <laughs> I think A, the saviors probably don't know those rules. <laughs> <laughs> and B, it was pretty effective against these people, but later in the episode, really ineffective against a Jeep. Well, we'll come to that, but, right. uh, you know, backpacks are considered equipment, right? I was aiming at his backpack. Sure, he was facing me, but, you know, you got to get to the backpack somehow. Oh, that sounds like a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and anyone standing in front of their backpack would end up with a big loophole in them. Yep. All right. So um, Ezekiel is injured. He can't stand up. He starts rolling around over bodies looking for uh, anybody alive. He finds Daniel, poor Daniel's dead, redheaded Daniel, and he screams in pain and despair, I think, yeah. at that moment. Uh, you know, his people start getting up as zombies, including Daniel, who is starting to come back. Ezekiel scooches away as best he can, but to me, it appeared he was starting to be surrounded, and we go to the opening credits. Mm. When we come back, Ezekiel is still scooching backwards, and Zombie Daniel is the first walker to come after him. He was the closest. Uh, Ezekiel finds a gun, and instead of trying to shoot it, he gets up and tries to use it as a cane, which I thought was really smart. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I think it uh, it didn't fire, right? Like, he tried to fire it, but it didn't fire, so you try and you use it as a stick. He did. He, he tried you know, to... F the, you know, break things down to their base components, and essentially an assault rifle... And all else fails, it's a stick. Right. He tried to shoot it after, though, because he, he falls down again after he's running away. Then he tries to shoot, has no ammo. Um, but I just thought it was smart. The first thing he tried to do was get up, 
and run away yeah because there's no way he would have had enough ammunition to shoot all those zombies so why not just try to run away um, well if you try to use it as a stick and then shoot it that's like the worst thing you can do because once you use it as a stick you got god knows what in the barrel and then when you try and fire it it's just gonna blow up in your face okay well i'm just saying i think it was smart of him to first the first thought he had was not to fight back but to get away yes first good the second thought he had was to try and fire that weapon bad all right well it didn't fire anyways so it didn't blow up in his face uh, but he, he has no ammo. He's, he starts crawling across bodies. They're all starting to get up. And then all of a sudden Alvaro shows up. So I guess he survived and he helps Ezekiel escape by picking him up. Good. We cut inside the building and the saviors who were in there, who shot them are packing up their heavy weaponry. Carol, as we know, has snuck inside and she's making her way through the building and she hides in a lab of some kind and listens to one savior yell at the others to hurry up and get the weapons packed up. Yeah, she's doing, she's going all John McClane on these guys. She is. She's sneaking around and she's going to take them all out or at least try to. Yeah. So these guys come walking through a lab talking about how they have more 50 cal weapons in the pool. What does that mean? Just in storage somewhere? Uh, well, the pool would be the, uh, the motor pool vehicles so they have more weapons already like packed away in in the trucks yeah i would assume so because why would you put them in a pool that seems like a really stupid idea <laughs> we're gonna keep our cal guns in the swimming pool <laughs> yeah we're gonna pack them in water yeah that's good for them right uh but anyways they come walking through carrying their stuff and suddenly they all go down in a big hail of gunfire from and, above yes carol emerges from her hiding spot which is up above the drop ceiling Good thing there's a lot of room up there for her to stand up and be able to properly aim and fire a weapon while in the roof. Yeah, and not, you know, fall through the flimsy tiles and stuff like that. But I'm going to assume well, she she got above a wall and was able to, like, brace herself against the top of a wall or something like that. Yeah, she's Spider-Man. Maybe. <laughs> you you uh, <laughs> might not be the first person to mention that. Uh, she comes down though, and she shoots a couple of them again, I guess, to make sure they don't stand up and re-attack re her. She grabs another gun and flees down the hall as more saviors start coming in. So there's not, they're not all dead yet. They're after her. Awesome. Now outside, Ezekiel, Ezekiel and Alvaro are walking away. Ezekiel asks about Shiva, but he says he hasn't seen her since they were hit. So we don't know what her status is yet. And suddenly... Alvaro is shot and killed out of nowhere, right through the chest by some dude in big old glasses. Right out of the 70s, this guy comes. Right out of the 70s. I mean, <laughs> he's just, he's time traveled from the 70s to take Ezekiel hostage. I guess so. I mean, you still see people, some people wearing glasses like that. And you know what, Jason? In, in the zombie apocalypse, when there are no more people making glasses, you got to wear what you can find. Yeah. And can you find glasses from the 70s? I don't think so. I mean, oh, you I go know. to the sh you go to the nearest drugstore and you buy some you know off the shelf glasses. You can't find glasses like that. Like you have to try really hard to find a pair of glasses like that. Those I, were chosen on purpose. I assume you've gone looking for them. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I've gone to Shoppers Drug Mart and bought glasses off the shelf. Uh -huh. uh, I'm wearing some right now, uh, but to find. <laughs> Those glasses, I mean, the 70s are coming back. Bell bottoms are back. Uh, 
you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff from the seventies that are that are uh, that's very popular right now. You know what the problem Television is? Television shows. You know, you know what the problem is? There's no problem. What's the problem? Hipsters. That's the problem. That's why the seventies are coming back. <laughs> well, I don't think that's hipsters. Maybe millennials. Hip, well, yeah, but that's not really seventies. That's more eighties. I think. Okay. Typewriters. I didn't uh, know bell bottoms were coming back. I haven't seen that happening yet. Oh yeah, bell bottoms. Yeah, they're coming back. But then I really don't pay attention. So. And then fur vests. I've seen a fur vest. <laughs> I don't think I'll be getting a fur vest. I'm okay with the '70s coming back. I'm okay with the '80s coming back. It's like this doesn't bother me at all. All right. Well, you should. It was lead... the peak of rock and roll back then. You should lead the way, man. Go get yourself a fur vest and some bell bottoms, and you'll and be these glasses and these glasses. All and, right. And that haircut, like it's the shirt, it's the shirt over the shirt, it's the glasses, it's the haircut. This guy is straight out of the '70s. All right. Well, now we have a time traveler on the show. I, I assume so. Well, he grabs Ezekiel and he leads him away at gunpoint. So we don't know what his deal is yet. After a commercial break, we come back and. Uh, this guy, his name is Gunther. He uh-huh. is still leading Ezekiel somewhere. And, and you know, I thought for sure, well, this is the some guy in the title, but it's not. Oh, no. As soon as I saw uh, Ezekiel at the beginning, I knew he was the some guy. Oh, well, he is and the some guy. I knew he'd guy. say it at some point, And like, eventually I'll get to my reaction at that. All right. Well, I thought it would be this guy for a little while. Uh, cause he's new, he has a lot of lines, he's doing something and he's just some guy. Oh, I think, I think as soon as, uh, Ezekiel walked out, walked into the, uh, the shot at the beginning with the t-shirt and the, the dreads covered up, uh, I, just, everything just laid out before me in, for uh-huh. this whole episode. Just like, oh, he's the some guy, he's going to break character, he's going to break down, this is a bottle episode about him, uh, he's going to, uh, you know, renounce his, uh, his, uh, King persona and just say, I'm some guy. I'm just some guy. That's very, and, and, uh, it, intuitive of you. Cause yeah, I mean, just all laid up before me. It, it kind of makes sense when you put it down that way. Like he appears on screen at the beginning, not as King Ezekiel, right? As, as And getting very much into character. Yeah. Like I say, I've been in dressing rooms. That's what you do in dressing rooms. You get into character and he's been in character every time we've seen him, except for a few times when he talks to Carol yeah. uh, about it. Right. And I just, I knew that the character would break. And then the fact that it was playing out this way where he is in trouble, all his people have died. I knew that the character would break at some point. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really good. I, I didn't really think of that, uh, after that opening scene. It obviously, it obviously comes to that towards the end, but, uh, they really laid it all out in front of us here, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Gunther, as soon as I saw him, like he, I don't, I never thought for a second that he would be the some guy. He might be that seventies guy, but <laughs> I, but I don't think he's the some guy. All right. He's seventies guy. That seventies guy, like that seventies show. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. okay that seventies guy. There's a Gunther in there. That show too, isn't there? No. I don't think so. Uh, that was a funny show though. I, it was I, a good show. I remember enjoying it. Anyways, let's get back to the if episode. If we had uh, the time gap between when that show was on and the 70s, if we had a show right now that had that exact same time gap, it would be called that 90s show. Yeah, I'm surprised. That's how scary that is. I'm it's pretty scary. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not doing that already though. Yeah. All right. So Gunther makes Ezekiel give up his blade. Uh, they call it a blade, but I, it's more of a small sword, I think. Still uh, got a blade, yeah? Yeah, I know, but it's long. Okay. I feel like blades are smaller, swords are bigger. It's just me. Uh, sure. And 
Gunther's talking about taking Ezekiel back to the sanctuary. Now back inside, Carol has followed, well not really inside, but Carol has followed the remaining saviors outside. So we don't really see how they all get out of the building. But she's followed them out, she's hiding, and she's watching them load the heavy weapons into a truck. And she overhears them talking about how they have enough heavy guns to, quote, free up the sanctuary. So I guess the plan is for them to move these weapons back home to the sanctuary and use them to shoot down all the zombies that are surrounding the place that Rick and everybody led there. Yeah. Now, so it's important here to note the loading of the Humvee. When they load the Humvee, there's no 50 cal mounted pointed out the back. Is it the same one that they're driving away in later? Oh, I assume so. There's only one Humvee and they've loaded it up. Yeah, why would it be a different one? Uh, anyway, so that guy later on will see it, but he has to unpack and mount and then load that uh, that 50 cal and then shoot it out the back. And that's a, I think it's at least a three man team that needs that needs to do that. Like you don't can't do that by yourself. No, uh, in a moving vehicle. Anyway. Well. Yeah, I, I guess just not. a thing to note. He was there by himself. Uh, maybe, maybe it was set up. Maybe they set it up. Probably not. It, no, I mean it was plot device. It was the writers that set it up, but not the not the guys in the not the characters. Okay. Well, what I was thinking about in this scene is that this explains why the guns were moved, um, because they need the guns to bring them back to the the main sanctuary so they can shoot down all the zombies and you know, get the place back under control. The problem is I started thinking about it and I don't know that the time frame really makes any sense to me because uh, if the guns were moved the day before, it really feels like all of this stuff has happened over the course of one day because there's really been no break in the action, even though it's been over four episodes. Um, so if the guns were moved the day before, that would have been the day before Rick brought the zombies to the sanctuary. So why did they move them then, even if now it makes sense that they're moving them back to use them against the zombies? And if, and furthermore, if Negan is stuck in that trailer, how has he been able to give any sort of command or order to do that because he's stuck in there? Um, maybe right. he has a radio, but I'm not sure. So either- a giant steel box? I don't know if radio, radios would work. Well, okay, so even then maybe your radio wouldn't work. I was going to say maybe Simon has the authority to do that, like he probably does. Yeah, okay, um, Simon can do anything. He, I mean, Simon just kind of thought that and said, you know, get that 50 cal over here and probably sent the thought into the past in order to do it. Well, he would have had to because it's a it, the plan makes sense to me, but the timing doesn't make sense if they moved the guns before the zombies were there. Um, unless I don't understand the timeline, but if that's the case, then the show hasn't been very clear with it. Yeah. And then Simon reached back in time and pulled this guy out of the seventies in order to <laughs> use him. Yeah. Simon, <laughs> he's the real time traveler. <laughs> he's everything. He's, he's all things. He really is. He's uh, a demigod. I'm going to do my best to, to meet him at the next Walker Stalker. Cause if there's one guy I want to meet, it's yeah, Stephen Hogg. Uh, anyways, so the timeline doesn't totally make sense to me, but I do kind of understand the plan now. Anyways, we go back to Gunther leading Ezekiel. Ezekiel falls again. Gunther shoots a zombie and Ezekiel wonders if Negan even knows Gunther's name and Gunther responds with, I'm Negan. So Ezekiel's trying to get under his skin a little bit, but it's not working. Of course he knows my name. 
It's the same name as him, dumbass. How how could he forget it? (laughs) That's right. Um, But Gunther also says that they've all heard the kingdom's story. And, you know, that that he's a king. And he calls Ezekiel a meaningless con man in a costume. Which is pretty harsh. And, you know, that sounds like the kind of thing that that Negan would tell everyone. So they, they know who they're truly dealing with. Or at least, you know, tries to convince them that's who they're dealing with. So Carol, uh, back to her, she's outside, she reloads her gun, and she steps out to shoot the guys that are loading the truck. But I guess she didn't see some other saviors who were there, and they immediately start firing at her. She dives behind a truck, and they exchange fire, but she quickly sort of becomes pinned down behind that truck. She doesn't seem to be making any progress. And all the gunfire noise is starting to draw some zombies to... A nearby gate as well. This uh, gunfire that, and I put that in quotes, uh, in this whole scene is starting to really bug me. Okay. Uh, you know, I didn't notice that the uh, the bolts weren't cycling, that the action of the firearms weren't cycling as they were shooting, but it was really obvious here, and the uh, the pings of sparks off of the uh, off of the vehicles were obviously like bad. Badly obvious practical effects. You know, you shoot, they're basically paintballs that spark yeah. when you hit something. Yeah. And then uh, it's just, and then special effects to show the bullets and the, the marks and the uh, the vehicles. And uh, it just, the level of ridiculousness in of the gunfire now is starting to really bug me. And it was so obvious in this, uh, in this scene. Well, you and a lot of listeners share that same feeling because they, they've started writing in about this, uh, not just this episode, but really all over season eight. Um, I wonder, though, has it always been like this or was it more realistic in previous seasons? There's a lot of bullets flying in this season. I don't know if it was, I'd have to go back and rewatch, but it's it's, it's really amped up in this just because of the sheer volume of gunfire happening in this season. Yeah. Yeah. There is more, there's more for sure. So maybe it's, maybe it's just become more obvious. That being said, I don't notice these kind of things because I just don't know enough about guns. I think, you know, I would, I would never, people point it out to me. So I notice it now, but if, if no one said anything, I don't think I would notice that shell casings are not, coming out of the weapon and I wouldn't notice the way the bullets, you know, hit surfaces and things like that, but yeah. I'm going to start because it's, it's important to a lot of people, I think. Yeah. It's just, it, it takes you, it's author intrusion, right? It takes you, especially at this, uh, that it's been pointed out a number of times. I pointed it out in the pilot and then other people have written in saying that the actions aren't cycling and there's no brass and all that kind of stuff. It's all kind of piling up now for us. Right. And it's so obvious. It's just, it's author intrusion. It's, it's, uh, it takes you out of the story so badly. Just, it's just like, okay, this, it's just ridiculous. And therefore you can't buy into the drama anymore of, oh my God, Carol's in, in peril of some kind. It's like, no, they're not. They're basically playing guns and pointing sticks at each other. And right. then, oh, don't worry, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> and then they don't, really. Well, they try to, but they can't, you know, they don't have the budget to put in the uh, the uh, the action cycling on the, on the firearms and the brass spitting out. And uh, they can't add in recoil. No. Well, I guess I guess it makes you unable to buy into the danger of the situation, really. Yeah. Okay. 
This episode had that problem in particular for me. Yeah, this episode, this season, maybe. Um, so we go back to Gunther, and uh, he's outside Ezekiel with a chained gate, and he says they're going to take a vehicle and get out of there. He shoots another nearby zombie, and Ezekiel uses this moment to strike at him. He grabs a blade, scrapes his stomach, but he's injured, and Gunther knocks him down, points his gun at him, and says, It's over! And he hovers over him for a bit, which I thought was a slightly awkward long pause. And then he takes some blood and he draws blood lines on Ezekiel's cheeks and nose and then slaps him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He was stepping on his hand and the, the awkward, the the awkward pause was in order to have uh, Ezekiel submit and let go of the weapon. Like he was holding onto the, uh, the sword or the blade or whatever you want to call it, very tightly. Mm-hmm. And he was holding, he was stepping on his hand and holding it there until Ezekiel submitted and let go. Okay. I, I, it was something like that. For me, it felt like it was a little bit of a long, weird pause, but that does make sense. Um, why draw the blood on his face? I don't know. He's from the seventies. It was weird back then. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure either. Uh, it, but you know. More just, uh, dominance. Just, you know, uh, Making sure that he dominated Ezekiel by, you know, marking him. Yeah. Could be something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, We get a quick shot of Carol, though. She tries to fight back, but can't really come back to Gunther and Ezekiel. And he asks, um, Ezekiel asks for his sword so they can fight the zombies together, which are still coming after them. They've basically been following them this whole time. Um, But Gunther knocks him down and uh, appears to be about to kill him. He says Negan wanted to chain him to the fence, and he was hoping to bring him back to do that. Uh, He raises his blade to strike Ezekiel, but just in time, Jerry shows up and chops Gunther right in half with his battle axe. That was awesome. He just bifurcated that dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't, I don't know if you can do that to somebody. Well, you can on this show and it was gross well, yeah. and awesome. It was pretty gross. Time. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty wicked. Yeah, exactly. It was awesome. I loved it. He got chopped right in half. Now, Carol, go back to her. She throws her gun out and pretends to surrender. And she claims that she can tell them where the others are. And she stands up with her arms raised. Yeah. We've seen this before. Well, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she didn't sew uh, a firearm into her coat this time, though. Oh, maybe, right. Maybe she, well, you know, we don't know. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. She, yeah. she had the uh, taxi driver thing going on there. Yeah. Uh, talking to me? Yeah. Well, she she's pretending to surrender here. We go back and forth a bit here, because now we go back to Jerry and Ezekiel. He helps him up and kills a couple nearby zombies. He calls him your majesty and Ezekiel says, you don't need to call me that. And uh, Jerry starts trying to chop the chain off the gate. So this is the first time where Ezekiel starts, you know, letting the king persona go a little bit. Yeah. He said, dude, yes, I do. (laughs) That was awesome. That was the best, that was the best line in the whole show. I guess so. I mean, you don't have to call me your majesty. It's like, dude, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And (laughs) I mean, I guess that's just uh, as much as important it is, as it is for Ezekiel to exist for his followers, he's important to his followers. They need him just as much. Yeah. It's like going up, uh, you're going to England 
and uh, meeting the queen. And when you see her, you say, yo, how's it going? <laughs> it's just it's just it's uh it's awesome and uh slightly off-putting at the same time i guess so but i mean the queen would never say please you don't need to call me your majesty the well queen, no of course not she's the queen that she loves being called your majesty and that's the way yeah. things are done and i don't care what you say she doesn't poop okay fair enough uh when i meet her i'm gonna ask her <laughs> you should you say yo do you poop yo uh we'll find out uh, so yeah, so, you know, those two guys are getting ready to fight though. Uh, but we go back, one of the saviors approaches Carol and they're kind of talking and she manages to knock his gun down and get a knife to his throat. But not the, not the magic Carol knife, which I was a little disappointed to not see. The one with the brass knuckles on it that we have in the intro. Right. And it's actually, Carol's knife. It's hanging off her belt, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen it. Kicking around. Why isn't she using it? I don't know. This was her hidden sleeve knife, Knife, I guess. I guess so. Well, it, this savior seems like such a dolt. I mean, he walks right up to her and oh, yeah. she just knocks the gun aside and gets her arm around his neck with a knife. Like, it seemed a little too easy. Well, it is. That's exactly when it is easy. Like, if you watch any... A YouTube video or have seen anything on disarming an armed person. So you have somebody who's unarmed and then somebody with a firearm and to disarm them, basically you have to be within arm's reach. Like if you're within arm's reach, there's a possibility of being disarmed. Uh, so if you've got a firearm, that's a ranged weapon. Fucking use it like a ranged weapon. Don't walk up to them and put it right to their head and go, I'm going to shoot you because that gives them the opportunity. Cause if it's right at your head, uh, you only have to move the, the weapon like three inches before or five inches before it's no longer a danger to your head, like either side. Your head's not that big. It's not like four feet wide or anything. Uh, it's not like the side of a barn, for example. So <laughs> My forehead uh, is. Have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what the police do when they uh, want to control you with firearms. It's like, okay, turn around. Get on the ground, put your hands behind your head, mm -hmm. right? Because that way it's a lot harder to disarm somebody when you're in that position. Mm -hmm. So don't just walk up to them and expect them to submit. You tell them to be in a position where it's very, very difficult to, uh, or at least uh, not only difficult, but if you do try and do something, you telegraph it like a half hour before you actually get up off the ground. It's yeah. like, oh, you're, okay, he's starting to roll around and get up and he's put, taking his arms up behind his head and he's putting in front of him. It's like, oh, geez, now I got to shoot the son of a bitch and uh, have some tea and a couple of crumpets and then you blow his head off. Right. Well, I and I guess it sort of makes sense that the saviors wouldn't be experts at these things, right? They're not all geniuses. So this guy They just, know how to use a 50 cal. Fuck. I guess so, but maybe not this guy. Maybe he was just there to pack up, you know? I don't know. He's like the moving guy. Uh, anyways, he walks right up to her. She disarms him, gets the gun, gets the knife to his throat. And the guy she's holding, his name is Joey, apparently. And he begs his comrades, his savior comrades, not to shoot. But they do. <laughs> they just right. kill their buddy Joey. And in the chaos... You know, uh, Carol throws him down and she hits a big red button behind her on the wall that opens a motorized gate that has all the zombies behind it. So uh, the, the gate's opening behind the saviors and letting all the zombies in there that were attracted by all the noise. Good thing that uh, compound has power. 
it is a good thing. And I know saying that she hits a big red button sounds ridiculous. It's it's not as crazy as it sounds if you hadn't seen the scene, for example. It's it is a button that's on the wall that is there designed to open the gate. I mean, it's, yeah, no, big red button, no problem. They have them all over the place, right? That's just so you you know to hit them, hit them. They have them in server rooms for the the freon or not freon. What do you call that uh, stuff that? Uh, I don't know. Evacuates like, all the air and makes sure that puts the fire out. Like big red buttons, yeah, they're everywhere, right? I don't have any big red buttons in my house. Well, I do in the garage. I mean, for some of the power tools have big red buttons. Okay. Well, I mean, that you you know that's something you want to push if it's big and red. Yeah. Generally, red big red buttons are meant to stop things from happening and not start things. Like a big green button is for like mm. opening and the big red button would be like stop that gate from opening because there's uh, a girl has her hair caught in the, uh, in the gate. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that's dangerous. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, cut your hair if you're in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, everybody has long hair for some reason, and they really shouldn't because zombies can grab hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carol doesn't have long hair, though. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, exactly. But Ezekiel, on the other hand, he's got these long dreads. They're they're meant for grabbing. Like, oh, my God. Like, they're the best grabbing. That's the best grabbing hair in the whole uh, zombie universe. It is. Him and Daryl. And Carl. Jesus, Carl. Needs to cut his hair for sure. Get a sure. haircut. Yeah. Okay, well, the gate starts opening. The, save, the zombies are coming in. We cut back to Jerry and Ezekiel. Jerry is still trying to chop the chain. So he could cut a dude in half, but he can't seem to chop a chain off a gate. Well, I mean, I, granted, an axe is not meant to chop a chain. I totally get it. And it's hard. Hardened steel. It's hard against... to get to get a good hit on the chain, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it would be even equal. Okay. To be fair, it would be equally ridiculous to shoot the chain. You're like, right. Uh, right. What you need is bolt cutters, like big ass bolt cutters. Which he did not have. So he puts no. the handle of the axe in and tries to pry it off, but just ends up breaking the axe. Yeah. I mean, give me a big enough lever and I'll move the world, right? It's, you know, trying to apply proper force. I, I applaud him for the effort. I do too, but I was a little sad to see the battle axe go. I mean, at least he got to chop a guy in half, but... Now all of a sudden his signature weapon is broken. Like that's but like if Daryl broke his crossbow. get to say shit balls right after. <laughs> yeah, but only he can get away with saying that. <laughs> only Jerry can say shit balls. Yeah. Well, he takes the handle of the battle axe and he kills a zombie with it. And him and Ezekiel prepare to fight them off together. Even though one of them has a injured leg and can barely stand up. Uh, we see Carol grab some keys off of the dead guy. And a couple of the zombies get in and take down some of the saviors that were shooting. I, I was wondering, Jason, why she waited to let that guy get close to her and then disarm him before hitting the button. Why not just hit the button immediately and bring the zombies in? But I realized it's that I think she wanted the zombies to start coming in while the saviors were distracted. Yeah. Because if she just hit the button, they all would have seen the or heard the gate opening and they could have just run away and take cover. And then all she's done is let some zombies in and they're all in trouble. Um, but wouldn't she shoot them when they were distracted and that'd be better? Well, like if they all turn around and start shooting at the zombies, because that's what they would do. Yeah. Uh, then she would be able to get off a couple of uh, back of the head shots. Maybe. But I think I think the problem would have been is that they would have seen the zombies coming in and they would have turned turn to run away and take cover maybe shoot some zombies and i guess you're right she could have shot at them while taking cover but she didn't want the saviors to get into a position of hiding again because they were all standing out in the open so she thought if they can be busy shooting at me 
they won't hear the zombies, they won't see the zombies, and maybe some of them will go down to zombie attack. Right. And I guess she can shoot the rest, but uh, I think that's, you know, if anyone was wondering, like I was at the time, why she waited to press that button, I think that may explain it. Um, Ezekiel and Jerry, they're fighting zombies. Jerry, oh, this is where Jerry delivers the thank you, for your majesty, for being such a cool dude line. <laughs> How did you feel about that line in context? Uh, I think that was, uh, it wasn't as good as dude, yes, I do. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't but as it was still It was okay. We saw that in the trailer, didn't we? I don't recall. I, I'd seen it before. It may have been in the San Diego trailer, or maybe there was another clip where it was released. But anyways, I thought it worked okay in this scene, but they did have a couple of uh, dude lines, you know, in this in this one bit. And you're right. I think the first one worked better. Uh, Carol, she starts shooting back again. The saviors are, in fact, taking cover, the ones that remain. And she yells to them that they need to end this. And the saviors tell her to just walk away. But she says she won't leave without the guns. Um, and then Carol sees, sees Ezekiel and Jerry fighting outside the locked gate, which is just on the other side of this motor pool parking lot area, I guess. Right. So Carol is presented with the dilemma of whether to let the saviors go and help Ezekiel and Jerry or keep the saviors pinned down hiding uh, and hold on to the heavy weapons, but likely let Ezekiel and Jerry die. Or at the very least, fend for themselves, which, you know, their odds are not very good. Yeah. What would you do? I'd help my friends. You would? Which way? By uh, not letting the guns uh, drive away so that they could shoot hundreds and hundreds of your friends? Or would you help your friends that are in immediate danger and... Uh, let the guns go and shoot all the rest of your friends while you help a couple of friends. Uh, I don't think there's any guarantee that the guns going away would mean the death of all a whole lot of my friends. So I would help the ones that were in the immediate area and hope that there was another option for retrieving those guns before they could use them for mass destruction. Sure. Okay. Shoot the tires. Then go help your friends. How about that? <laughs> because that's not as big a dilemma. <laughs> Just shoot the tires and they can't go anywhere. Yeah, fine, I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a military vehicle, right? It was a Humvee, so it probably has, you know, special tires, but, you know, put enough bullets into them, they're not going anywhere. I guess not, but I didn't think of that, and I guess neither did Carol. I guess not. No. We go to a commercial break while she makes her decision, and when we come back... We uh, are back to the morning before this whole thing began. So we've gone back in time again. That to... was a bit abrupt for me. Was that abrupt for you? Um, I thought that was a, a jump forward that all of a sudden she had saved Ezekiel and uh, that they were talking about it afterwards. And I'm like, what? What just? Oh, okay. There's no blood on him. So no. it took me a couple of seconds to get myself oriented there. That was uh, that was a bit abrupt for me. Yeah, I, I it didn't bother me for some reason. I knew sort of exactly what was going on. Had we not seen the sort of flashback at the beginning of the episode, I feel like it would have been confusing, but um, I still, I felt like it, it, uh, it worked. I think it worked okay, but I can you see it. You watched abrupt. it live, right? I did. Yes. So there was an actual commercial break in there for you. True. There was no commercial break. It was like a half second of black screen for me. Right. That's a little I different. Because I was watching the iTunes version. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that might've been the difference. 
I think so. You go from one time frame to another with absolutely no break in between. Like I got up, went and got a sandwich and came back downstairs, right? Right. And you were ready for this story to unfold again. Uh-huh. I was just like watching and all of a sudden it was a jump cut. And I was like, whoa, 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 I'm disoriented. Where am I? So, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? What day is it? Yeah. <laughs> How come I'm still awake? Who am I again? Uh, anyway, so we're back in time. Carol and Ezekiel are walking and talking. She asks if he's ever fought before and he tells her a story about a time when shiva was hurt this was pre-apocalypse and he had to decide whether or not to jump into her zoo enclosure to help and he goes on about saying he thought about helping versus not helping and decided to jump in and help her uh because that's you know that's the kind of person he wanted to be and his whole point really is that if you're asked to be a hero be a hero so have you ever, uh, you've owned a cat, right? Yeah. A couple in my life. H- have you ever tried to help an injured and or scared cat? Um, well, I know, I know where you're going with this. Cats don't take help very well. <laughs> They're not going to meekly go ahead and go, yeah, here, here, you fix this. They're going to fucking freak out and claw your goddamn eyes out because they're hurt and want to protect themselves. Every cat is different. Uh, there was a cat that was um down the street from us uh one morning taking the kids to school and this cat had been injured somehow i don't know if it had been clipped by a car or something it wasn't it wasn't obviously injured but the the poor cat couldn't really move and it was just kind of sitting on the sidewalk like it made it to the sidewalk and it was sitting there clearly in some distress but there were people around and the people were not moving the cat but in a way trying to comfort it and someone had called you know animal services or whatever to come and and help the cat but this cat seemed actually very open to the idea of being comforted by these people which i thought was strange for a cat but i'm just saying that it it's not necessarily the case where a cat's going to lash out if you're trying to to help it now i'm pretty sure if someone had tried to pick this poor cat up it wouldn't have liked it but you know if it had a broken leg or something that would have hurt but yeah i feel bad for the cat now yeah it was it was called animal 911 is like it was there a, should be an animal night. Yeah, it was it was a d- upsetting morning, but um, no kidding. We moved on because there were enough other people there that had already yeah. sort of got control of the situation. So yeah, it's not like you're going to add additional help. No, right? No, like it, the situation is unfortunate, but everything that could be done was in the process of being done. That's right. I, I, I agree with that. That's right. And and my father in law was here, and he had nothing to do all day, so he kind of kept track of things. As uh, after we left and, uh, he said that, yeah, somebody came and they helped the cat and I don't know what happened to it after that, but I can speculate and I choose not to. Yeah, me too. Well, um, so Ezekiel says that if you're asked to be a hero, be a hero. And he, he wonders if Carol has always been so strong and brave or did she have to decide to be who she is going to be today? Like he did. And Carol says she decided but life also forced it onto her in some ways too. Yeah. Chris, have you just, have you decided to be who you are today? <laughs> well, in some ways, yes, but in other ways, I think life forced it on me. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, I think I've, I've gotten to where I am today uh, by a series of events. And that, accidents. Some of which I had partial control over. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have full control over nothing. That's right. Partial control over some things. Control is an illusion. Right. When you're driving in a car 
at 110 kilometers an hour on the 401, the fact that you feel like you're in control is an illusion. Well, yeah, I guess so, because there's so many other jackasses on the road that could do anything at any moment. Including you. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's nothing stopping you from making a bonehead move. You know, you drop your hamburger on the ground and you reach <laughs> down and you actually accidentally get your foot wedged on the accelerator and you jam the steering wheel off to the right. You gotta be careful with those hamburgers, Chris. I know you. <laughs> well, Jesus, man. I mean, if, if you're going to get in a car wreck, it's all going to be the hamburger's fault. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think. Very little is under your complete control in life. All right. But the point is Ezekiel had a moment to make a decision and he considered both sides and he decided to jump into that tiger's cage. Now, he's apparently he's the zookeeper, so it's kind of his job, I would think, to do that. But right. I suppose even zookeepers need to respect the animals enough to know that if there is one that should not be approached at any moment for fear of being eaten alive... And you shouldn't approach it. I think we should have, if there's any zookeepers listening to this podcast, write in and tell us uh, how smart it is to get into a cage with a wounded tiger. If you're the zookeeper, do you know enough about the animal to be able to go in there and comfort it and help it? Or are you, as the zookeeper, are you smart enough to go, that tiger's hurt and is in a cage and there's no fucking chance in hell I'm going in there. And you shoot kill me. You shoot a tranquilizer at it from far away and then go in. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got a trank gun. If you're a zookeeper, you probably got a trank gun kicking around somewhere, right? Probably. Put the tiger out, mm-hmm. then help it. It's, makes a little more sense. <laughs> Anyways, I think I, Ezekiel made his point here. He did, yes. I'm, I'm kind of chewing away <laughs> at it, but that's okay. We go back to the present and... Ezekiel, we find out that Ezekiel and Jerry are saved by Carol as the saviors drive away with the guns. So she chose her friends over the guns. And Ezekiel says that they have to get word to Rick that they're going to get the guns to the sanctuary. But are they? Because out of nowhere, we hear a motorcycle and Carol smiles, sort of, and says they won't make it there. Yep. And we have the A-team on their ass. So we cut over to on the road and Daryl and Rick are chasing the saviors. Daryl on his motorcycle and Rick in his Jeep. This is an exercise in comedy, this whole scene. But it's a pretty good car chase. Well, I was excited. I'm like, hey, we finally get a car chase in The Walking Dead. How friggin' cool is that? And then a series of uh, comedic events happen. The thing flips down and this guy's got the biggest penis 50 cal ever <laughs> shooting uh, <laughs> yeah. at Rick and the 50 cal can't take out a Jeep. We've got a Jeep versus a Humvee, which I thought was very interesting. Old school military versus new school military. We've got Daryl on this motorcycle. Uh <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, the whole thing seemed ridiculous, especially the penis gun. It was like the recoil of the thing. There was like, sure it's mounted and everything, but there's still going to be recoil involved in shooting a 50 cal. And this guy's got it right at his junk. Okay. (laughs) He's just, he's just, he's crotch shooting this thing. Yeah. And it looks like his penis is shooting Daryl, shot him Daryl off the, off the road and shoots like 50 cals. Like I said before, are, meant to take out equipment, not people. Mm-hmm. Because aiming it at a, at a person is a waste of this this caliber of, of weapon. The thing is meant to shoot through engine blocks, take out vehicles. That's its whole point. Mm-hmm. It 
is in this back of this Humvee and it is aimed at a vehicle and is unable to take it out, even though it clearly gets a couple of good shots in. Okay, well, the first thing that happens is he shoots at Daryl. Daryl swerves and crashes his motorcycle. So he's taken out. Dodging bullets, that's fine. He's taken out early. Uh, Rick keeps pursuing him. He's swerving around to avoid gunfire. They drive through a bunch of zombies on the road, which throws the gunner off for a second. Um, But he gets back onto his penis gun, and the Jeep does take some fire. It takes some hits right in the front grill, which I understand is rather unlikely that that vehicle would continue to run after that. Not only that, it would have gone through the engine block and hit Rick. Right. Like that's the whole, this, these things are huge bullets. Like that thing would go through that engine block and shoot Rick. Mm -hmm. So it's not not what happens though. Rick. No, it's not. It's magic. Everything. It's a magic gun. It's a magic friggin' Jeep. It's anyway. Well, Rick keeps driving and he swerves to one side to reveal that Daryl is behind him again, hidden by the, by the Jeep. And Daryl shoots his gun straight ahead and takes out the gunner. Yeah. So, surprise. Surprise. A surprise Daryl. I love a good surprise Daryl. He recovered from that uh, laying down his uh, uh, his motorcycle really, rather quickly and then caught up with them because they were all driving, I assume, at as fast as they could. Right. And then uh, Daryl was obviously faster, but he picked that bike up and got back on and was able to recover from that whole thing. Super fast. He was, but I just think enough time had passed. Rick had been swerving around avoiding gunfire for longer than we think, and it gave Daryl enough time to get back on his steel horse and ride. Yeah. (laughs) If I can quote Bon Jovi. Yeah, of course you can. Sort of. You're just supposed to. Yeah, okay. So I thought it was a fun scene. I I was, little part of me was like, yes! You know, as he swerves around and Daryl shoots that guy down. Uh... The truck, um, what happens? Rick gets beside the savior's truck, jumps into the passenger side like the superhero that he is. Oh, I laughed and clapped at the <laughs> at the TV watching that. I'm like, oh my God, it's just like friggin' Indiana Jones and the Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He jumped from one vehicle to the other. It was so uh, ridiculously silly. Like these vehicles were obviously attached to trailers. It was, I don't know, just... <laughs> I don't care. I didn't even think about that. He jumped in, he stabs the dude, somebody falls out the driver's side of that thing, and the truck careens off the road and crashes into the ditch, and Daryl drives up. And uh, as Daryl walks up to see who survived, Rick comes crawling out through the brush, and Daryl helps him up. And uh, Rick says, they got the guns. And I think Daryl says, Rick, you look like shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he does. That's so, our second shit for the episode. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I thought this was just a fine car chase, and I found it immensely entertaining. I laughed the whole thing at during the whole thing, and at the end I was clapping gleefully because it was so silly. I thought that Rick should have thrown the guy off, uh, like, out the front of the vehicle, and then he would have hung onto the grill for a little bit and then fallen under the wheels. That would have been the best thing. Oh, yeah. They could have done that. I've seen that. It was very Indiana Jones. It was very, uh, I don't know, the whole thing was just kind of, it was... It was was comedy. It was amazing. In my mind, it was comedy. All right. I thought it was great. But let me ask you a question. Okay. At the end of last week's episode, um... Rick was going to make a stop on his way back home, right? And we assume he's going to see Jadis. 
Yep. We figured that would be happening. But then they realized that the, the that kid tells them that the guns had been moved to Jared's outpost. So yep. this is Jared's outpost, and they decided to go here instead. And yep. they got here just at the right time as the guys were driving away to chase them away. And somehow uh -huh. they knew to chase them away. Yep. Okay. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> I, my, I don't know if I have a question. I'm just making sure I understand things right. So it makes sense that they would come here because that kid told them this is where to go. Yeah. So their and plans And a military changed. type vehicle is speeding away. So a military truck. Right? Okay, so, so that, I would assume the, view, the 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 guns were on that truck, but they didn't. Or at least I would want to stop the truck and check. Right, so they didn't have, they didn't need to talk to Carol, which they didn't do. They didn't need to hook up with any of their team members. They just saw this truck driving away and decided we have to go after that truck. That's right. Okay, fair enough. That's I, what I would do. I, all right. Well, if it makes That's sense, like, it makes sense. I was yeah. wondering why they didn't why they immediately decided they had to follow them. I mean, they didn't know who was in the truck. They just went after it. Yeah. I mean, if you don't follow a truck and chase it, how are you supposed to know if it has a penis gun in it? Or pull that amazing move where Rick drives out of the way and Daryl's back and he shoots the penis driver. I mean, the penis gunner. The, the penis gunner, yeah. And then, well, I assume the penis driver has a penis, <laughs> but it's not a gun. <laughs> that uh, we know of. That we know of, right. Uh, all right. Well, we go back to Carol, Jerry, and Ezekiel. They're escaping. Uh, Ezekiel says that they should leave him behind because he's slowing them down. And uh, Carol talks about being almost out of ammo. So they keep going across some train tracks. And then they come to some kind of toxic waste river with a bunch <laughs> of really nasty looking walkers milling about in it, all white. Which I thought was funny as well. Gross. Like, oh, there's, some, there's like barrels saying that it's corrosive. Yeah. Well, it's... It Toxic waste. Some kind of magic talk. It's like it's, it's the, I don't know. It just, it seemed so contrived, you know? Maybe, uh, but like, I guess, I mean, but there's no reason this kind of place can't exist, you know? Someone's dumping their waste here and it's infected the local water system supply. Yeah. But I don't know. why would you, okay. So we have some kind of storm drain that's dumping... Uh, wastewater into this creek and there are like corrosive barrels everywhere. They're on the bank, they're in the creek. It's just, it's, I mean, if, if somebody's doing toxic waste disposal improperly before the zombie apocalypse, like don't stage it like this, you morons. People, it's right next to the train tracks. People are going to see it and they're going to go, well, this is obviously a toxic waste dump because it looks exactly like a toxic waste dump in every toxic waste dump picture and movie and television show I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, you know, hide it a little bit more. I guess. So it just, it seemed, uh, it, it seemed like a set piece. Mm. Like it, it seemed like it was, it was so staged. Well, maybe toxic this, waste dump. maybe this and is the, like, oh, we're going to get toxic zombies. Maybe this is the savior's toxic waste dumping area and they've only been dumping it there post-apocalypse. And they're idiots, remember? Yeah. And then, okay. So and then we get toxic zombies, which I thought was, was, I was excited about. And I was still laughing. Like I was still on a high from the last thing. So I was still like giggling and stuff through this whole piece. Okay. Right up until the sad thing happens. Right. So the sad thing happens soon. Ezekiel says that he won't be able to cross with his injured leg, but they lower him down anyways. And they start fighting the zombies. 
Uh, and as they get to the other side, they realize, or Ezekiel thinks he can't climb up. So he starts fighting and tells them to go. Jerry, of course, says, no, he can't leave his king. And Ezekiel finally says, no, I'm not your king. I'm not your majesty. I'm just some guy. As soon as he started that speech, I'm like, say it, say it, say it, <laughs> say it. And then he said it. I went, yay. Yay, this is it. He's just some guy. It was an immense moment of weakness for Ezekiel. And it I was. wonder if if he will ever be King Ezekiel again, or he will just be some guy Ezekiel from now on. Oh, man. That's a tough one. I don't I, know. I think he'll bounce back. I, I think, think he'll, he'll probably, be who he needs to be. I think so, too. I agree with that, but. Maybe for a little while, he'll just be some guy. Uh, but, you know, they're they're in a pretty bad position. Suddenly, Shiva shows up, kills some walkers. She picks one up and throws him, which I thought was great. That was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are too many of them. They surround her, and poor Shiva's mauled by the zombies while poor Ezekiel looks on in despair. And he says he, has, he wants to go help her, but, of course, Jerry says you can't. And... Uh, Shiva the tiger is eaten by zombies and is now yeah. dead. Honestly, I thought it was Ezekiel that was going to bite it in this episode. Did you? I did. It was as soon as, you know, as soon as I realized it was a uh, Ezekiel character study that we were having here, that I thought that maybe he was, it was his hero episode and then he would die. Mm -hmm. but then as soon as Shiva showed up, I'm like, oh crap, they're going to kill the tiger. God damn, they're going to kill a tiger. Sad. It was pretty sad. It was sad for the tiger. It was sad for him. It was, I mean, it was almost as bad as Ezekiel dying because this tiger was such a part of him and so important to him. Oh, it's way worse. It's way worse than Ezekiel dying. Really? Because it's an yeah, animal? Yeah, absolutely. It's a tiger. It's a beautiful, majestic animal. Ezekiel's just some guy. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> That's not just some cat. <laughs> no, it's, it, you know, it's, it's sad. Yeah. It makes me sad that uh, when, when animals get hurt. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You can watch people get shot all day and not think about it at all, but you kick a dog and people are going to react. It's true, but kicking dogs is not as commonly shown. That's why. And, I, and killing tigers, is nobody ever sees that. Yeah. Or, you, you know, there's, you can shoot to people all day long, but then you take a baseball, you see a scene of where somebody takes a baseball bat to somebody's knees and every, the whole audience goes, oh, right? Because you can imagine that pain. Whereas with an animal, you know, you have that empathy. With a human being, you're like, ah, it's a TV show. You shoot him, whatever. Right. But, I don't know. I found the fact that, uh, that uh, Shiva died much more of an impact than if Ezekiel had died. Well, everybody shed a tear. For Shiva. And, you know, we I like the way they staged it. They didn't even really show her dying. I mean, you, you saw the zombies kind of pile on top, but you mostly just hear it, right? And you hear them yeah. tearing her apart, and you see the blood flow into the river, and we're kind of watching the reaction on Ezekiel's face. So it was very well done in terms of tiger killing scenes, I thought, and pretty emotional and, and really sad. Yeah. Ezekiel lowers his head. And we cut to the three of them, uh, him, Carol, and Jerry arriving back at the kingdom. They come through the gate and all the people start to gather around expecting some news, you know, wondering where the hell everybody else is. Yeah. And uh, Henry, the little boy, approaches Ezekiel. Ezekiel puts his hand on his shoulder, says nothing. And I think the boy is asking, you know, where his mom is, which is pretty sad. She's not coming back. And Ezekiel keeps walking into the kingdom towards a building as people look on. And that's it. Episode is over. So, uh, you know, 
I don't know if if Ezekiel will come back as the king. I think he probably will, but he may take some time off. He just needs to go sit in his dressing room for a little while. Maybe talk to his agent, <laughs> get some perspective. Yeah, realize that he's needed. He's needed as the king. Yeah, we need you. As, yeah, he's just he's got to go. He's got to go chillax for a little bit, and you know, mourn the death of his Shiva. Did he, did he you think he slept with Shiva? You think they all curled up together? Well, we saw her in a cage, so I don't think he did that very much. Oh well, because you know, I'm, I'm sure cuddling up with a tiger would keep you super warm. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> I'm sure it would. Uh, so you know, I mean, it's quite a quite a stark contrast here. I would say to three episodes of Ezekiel and the Kingdom people being so ecstatic that they hadn't lost a single person, and then only three of them return. That's yeah. that's pretty intense. Such a massive loss of life on on our side, I guess, on the good guys' side this time. We've seen so many saviors die, and now suddenly we saw like you know a huge chunk of the kingdom get wiped out all in one scene. And according to the Walking Dead wiki, at least thirty four kingdom soldiers were killed in that scene. Wow. Maybe maybe more. And I, to be fair, I don't think that really stacks up with how many saviors have been killed, but. It was still pretty intense. Kill-tastic. It was kill-tastic. Uh, so anyways, I get the feeling, Jason, that you thought this episode was big, dumb, ridiculous episode, but you kind of enjoyed it anyways. Uh, I'm sad for Ezekiel at the end. Like, I felt his pain at the end. Yeah. It And I kind of, I understood his character, and I thought everything was really... Um, compelling between uh you know with ezekiel it was all the other stuff around ezekiel that really kind of got to me and i think uh like in a comedic way i thought the, the firefight with carol was uh i couldn't buy into it just because of the uh the the silliness of the of the firearms and the, and the bullets flying around that whole car chase scene uh it just, it struck me as funny. And then the whole toxic waste thing, I was just kind of leading. I was still giggling from the, the, uh, from the car chase. So I kind of got into that. And all of a sudden I see Shiva and I'm like, oh, okay, I should pay attention to what the show is trying to tell me instead of just laughing at it. And then, uh, I felt that at that point, I felt, uh, Ezekiel's pain. So mm -hmm. I think as a character study for Ezekiel, I thought it was really well done. Uh, but all the other shit that was tacked on kind of just it just took me out of it it was just silly yeah i don't know I, I i'm sort of there with you but the things that bothered you didn't bother me in the same way i really enjoyed the car scene the car chase scene uh the toxic waste stuff you know take it or leave it but it i thought why couldn't it just be a creek like what the hell why did it have to be a toxic creek like well, just a creek with steep banks fuck li it listen man this is what i was one of the things i was getting at I don't know, last week or whenever I said it about the writers, I think are finding it challenging to find ways to make the zombies one interesting and two a threat anymore. So they're doing stuff like roll them down hills or, or put them in like a toxic waste river. And I think that's showing up more and more in the show as we go on. Well, they gotta, uh, you know, come on, Scott. Get your shit together. Get your writers in a room and tell them not to do this kind of stuff. Because that it was completely unnecessary. I thought maybe you know touching the water would make things, uh, you know your boot the boots dissolve or uh, be 
you know the fact that the, you're in this atmosphere with this this corrosive uh, material would make your eyes burn and you'd be coughing and your lungs would burn and you wouldn't be able to cross it but no everything was fine there was absolutely no need for the toxic waste at all yeah no i i agree with you when you put it that way but in the moment it didn't bother me that much it just maybe if they'd done even more with it it would have been okay like you said make the characters suffer a little bit from being around this stuff overturned truck with like barrels, like just put a truck there that was overturned. Give it a reason to be there instead of just being this weird set piece. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I don't know what a truck would be doing in the forest, but I take well, your no, point. But there was like, okay, put it next to a road then. I don't care, but just, you know, give it the toxic yeah. waste to a reason to be here rather than just this, uh, you know, setting. Sure. Train tracks were nearby. Make it a derailed train or something. Hey, that even better. There you go. Right, uh, like a big friggin' train car, uh, you know, a tanker train car, whatever you call them, overturned with like corrosive uh, sign on it and it's split open and there's like crap everywhere and zombies and yeah, you see, I could buy into that, but because the train crash, because, you know, people die on trains all the time, I assume, <laughs> and then hit other, you know, zombies and then the tracks get slick and then it jumps the tracks and there's, you know, crashes and toxic waste and shit blows up. You got it all figured out. Yeah. See? Put me in the writer room. Give me some cash. I can help you. There you go. Well, the things that bothered me, and I and I, I'm kind of right there with you. The, all of the stuff that was good was good, but then when um, Gunther was leading Ezekiel away, like they just they repeatedly would like stumble away a little bit. There would be zombies catching up to them. They'd stop and have a conversation, and the zombies would never catch up to them. Right? It's like it's like they stopped and waited for them to finish their conversation as they move on, and. Sometimes you have to suspend your disbelief for that kind of thing, but to just repeatedly doing it, that's the kind of thing that sort of bothered me about right. this. It's like, we're going through the same motions here and then like one or two would catch up and they'd be able to just shoot them and then keep going. I don't know. It's maybe just re-edit or reorganize the scenes a little bit so they they get some distance on them before they before Ezekiel falls down and they have to have a, a threatening conversation to get him going again. So I don't know. That's a good point. I never thought of, I never thought of that, but that, uh, you know, they're probably the politest zombies in the whole apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, Nick, you don't have your conversation. Take your time, we'll Just guys. wait here. Mm-hmm. We're only back, backdrop anyway, so uh, you go ahead and just have your conversation. Yep. We'll wait. Yeah, you're, you're good. Um, but I mean, I, I also don't mean to focus on the, the nitpicks here too much because this was a really interesting and important episode for Ezekiel and it's going to change his character probably forever. We'll see what happens to him. And Carol is always great and it's fun to see her be a badass. Rick and Daryl, I mean, I can't I, I'll say it again. Car chase was awesome. And so there was there was as as much little things that sort of bothered me, there was plenty of stuff that I thought was good. So all right. Three things could have fixed this episode for me. Absolutely just three simple changes. Don't bring in Rick and Daryl. Get rid of the car chase. Somehow, just get rid of it. Move it to the next episode. I don't care. Get rid of the toxic waste. That was completely unnecessary. Uh, and uh, keep Carol inside the building, right? Give, you know, more of Carol inside the building. And everything else was fine, in my opinion. The guy from the 70s taking uh, Ezekiel hostage. Uh, nope, not hostage, but uh, kidnapping. Whatever. Yeah, basically. Uh, control awesome. of him. Yeah. Uh, 
so that that was all fine. Like the whole everything with Ezekiel on screen was fine. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, just get rid of the car trace. Get rid of the uh, get rid of the toxic waste dump, and keep Carol inside the building, and don't have that big firefight at the end. Uh, uh, that made it look like it was ridiculous with no cycling of the firearms and no brass. And okay, well, I don't like to play what if too much, but what if she had opened that gate? And Rick and Daryl were outside the gate and they came in and helped her instead. And then something happened. The guys still got away in their truck and it made more sense for them to like go after them. Oh well, yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. And instead of just having a convenient car chase, it's like, oh, I hear a motorcycle. That's taken care of. No problem. Have an actual reason for them to go after the truck. That's what I felt like. You hear the motorcycle and Carol's like, oh, it'll be fine. Right? <laughs> and then yeah. I'm like, how does she know that? How does she know it's even his motorcycle? The, the saviors had a whole parking lot full of motorcycles. It could have been more saviors showing up, right? Uh, she knows Daryl's. Remember, they were there was a love interest there for a little while. She knows the sound of that guy's her bike. Pookie, right? Or she called him Pookie. That was it. Maybe. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, but then she got interested in Jasper or Axel or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> whatever happened to that? I mean, Carol and Daryl, that would have been fine. They could get together. Yeah, she, she was with Tobin for a little while. Remember? Yeah, I still think poor Daryl. Doesn't have a love interest. No, he does not. He may someday. I don't know. Aaron's free now, isn't he? Yeah, should be Aaron and Daryl. <laughs> Darren. They hung out for a while. They did. They were, they were getting, he gave him the motorcycle. Did he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That That's a good match. I think that'll work. All right. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. All right. Oh, let's, he's got to mourn for a little while, but other after that. After that. Hook up. Ride off into the sunset on motorcycles holding hands. I think that'll uh, be nice. Hook up with the long haired, dirty guy. With the crossbow and right hey, off. Hey, everybody loves a bad boy. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is it for this episode. I'm not going to do a musical break this time on the podcast, everyone, but I do want to remind everyone about our November charity push. Um, what we're doing here is is donating all of the money that we make from our Amazon affiliate link for the month of November to the Canadian Cancer Society. So when you use our links to go shopping at Amazon, a little tiny uh, cut comes back to us. We're going to add that all up and make a big donation at the end of the month. So visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. We have affiliate links for Canada, the United States, the UK, France, Germany, and Spain. Whichever store you want to shop in, we will add it all up and a, you know, big, hopefully a big check will go to the Canadian Cancer Society. So shop in any of those stores. Um, I had a listener ask about Australia because I do know we have plenty of listeners down in Australia. So I went and looked and tried to sign up for the Australian Amazon affiliate program. Sadly, there isn't one. I, huh. I don't know why. So, um, unfortunately there's nothing I can do there, but if you happen to be able to use the U S store, then, uh, that's, you know, that's what you can do. But, um, sadly there's no Australia. So I'm sorry about that. When you say send a giant check to the Canadian Cancer Society, do you mean like uh, a check with lots of zeros or do you mean like a giant novelty check? I mean a rather large um, digital donation to their website. <laughs> okay, good. Because I don't know if we have the... the I wouldn't want to waste any of the money on uh, printing out a giant novelty check uh, and then <laughs> mailing it because that would cost a lot. It would. No, we're not going to be printing any novelty checks. Uh, if we do... The, the money won't come out of the uh, the donation fund and it'll be strictly to put on my wall. Okay. I'll fund it personally. 
Yeah. The check. Just All the right. actual printing of the giant novelty check. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So just a reminder, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Do your shopping in the month of November. And uh, we will add all that up and send it into the Canadian Cancer Society. Such a good cause. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. Um, you know, I said off the top there that I had a hell of a Monday, so I didn't have as much time to uh, go through quite all of the emails we received. But hopefully this is a good selection of holy craps for this segment of the show. Our first one comes from Noop J on the internet bit of a longer one so here we go holy crap carol killed those guys now she has the minigun oh no she doesn't holy crap more saviors have it now now carol has outwitted them holy crap now they outwitted carol and are getting away holy crap rick and daryl are chasing them now they're being shot at and daryl is down holy crap rick is chasing them down and getting shot at holy crap daryl is back and sorry i can't keep doing this to you guys holy crap <laughs> they finally got the gun but it took too long with so many aha gotcha moments. It was. It was a lot of gotchas. It, it sort of was. I think. I think Noob Jay kind of summed up your overall feelings <laughs> in in that whole uh, tirade paragraph. I don't know. Yeah. No, that was good. All right, Jack Land in Oklahoma writes: My holy crap moment had to be all the Kingdom followers turned into zombies. And then as 70s throwback savior guy is dragging Ezekiel away, he makes the joke, look, they're still following you. Yeah, that was a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a little dark, but I get it. It's funny. It was funny. I remember laughing at the time. I think that uh, this this, uh, this episode was comedy gold. There was a lot of funny stuff in here. And Jack Land also pointed out that he's 70s throwback savior guy. Absolutely. Right out of the 70s, that guy. Yeah, there you go. Rebecca, who is north of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, writes, My holy crap moment was when Jerry split that savior in twain. Amazing crit. But then his poor axe broke on the lock and chain. I guess he rolled a one. So I know, Jason, you wouldn't have to do this, but I had to look up what she meant by crit. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay. When you roll a natural 20, it's critical. And in a lot of gaming systems, you do double damage. There you go. A critical hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to I look that up. I think there's a podcast named Critical Hit. There might be. I don't know. Why don't you name drop them? Maybe they'll mention us on their, their show. <laughs> I think it's on the Frog Pants Network. I think it's Scott Johnson. <laughs> oh, great. You know, you're, you're just, he's just going to think you're crawling up his ass now. I've never listened to it. I only know it exists. All right. <laughs> uh, and then rolling a one is a critical failure. Yeah. Which uh, usually results in something like your character falling down or breaking the weapon or uh, cutting off your own foot. Right. For example, that's that's really bad. But well, usually it's more comedy than uh, an inconvenient rather than destructive. Okay, got it. Well, I, I assumed it had something to do with D&D when Rebecca says, you know, roll the one at the end there. And I thought yeah. back to crit, but I looked it up and I, I figured it out. Yeah. All right, our next two holy craps are kind of related in a way. A bunch of people mentioned this fact here anyways, and I'll get to it. Ryan on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that bullshit? No way a tiger gets taken out by a handful of walkers. No way. Shiva wasn't hobbled or injured or anything. A real tiger would be clawing, kicking, and fighting every step of the way. That's probably true. But on the other hand, tigers, uh, you know, they're the 
they're friggin' big, right? Like they're the largest of the big cats. They're it, you know, a tiger weighs, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And they're generally considered the alpha predator in whatever room that they're in, regardless. Uh, you know, being attacked by multiple uh, assailants is probably not in their genetic make- makeup to deal with, right? It's, you know, us as humans, we can think, oh my God, we're getting beat up by a whole bunch of people. As a species, that's probably happened thousands of times in the past. As a species, tigers don't get attacked generally by a lot of animals. I mean, every once in a while, a, a herd of wildebeest will go after them and they'll be like, holy shit, a herd of wildebeest just kind of stomped on me. I'm getting the F out of here. At the very least, uh, Shiva probably would have, at the first sign of real trouble, got the F and hell out of there. Mm-hmm. I know my cats do that. Like when uh, Jasper's getting very mobile now and he loves the cats and he'll go after them and he's getting fast. Uh, the cats used to just kind of walk around him because, you know, they knew that he's just a, you know, uh, a baby that's starting to learn how to walk. They can just kind of go around and then meander their way out of the room. Now at the first sign of danger, they're like, oh, bing, they're gone because he'll get a hold of their tail. That's not good. You know, you got to watch out for that. No, I know. And we try and watch it, but, uh, you know, they're, they're learning and we're all learning at the same time about, uh, uh, him going after the cats. And if we're not all on our toes, he might get a, get, might get a hold of one. Right. So, and the cat's not going to like that. And he's not going to like what happens right after. So I'd be careful. You, he's been, uh, you know, they've taken a swing at him a couple of times, but they don't use their claws. Like they know that, you know, if they use their claws, they're, you know, they're cat food. Like one of the cats is going to be fed to the other one, <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, we're we're all in a training program. He's we you know be gentle and pet the cats, and the cats are learning about him, and it's all a very. But right now, as soon as he gets anywhere near them, mm-hmm. they're gone. Sure. Well, that's right? smart, and and that's what Shiva probably would have done. Was just like, okay, I can I can jump out of this hole because I'm a goddamn cat. Uh, I'm getting attacked by a bunch of people. I think I'm going to claw a couple in the face and then get the hell out of here. Well. Not just kind of lie down and go, oh, well. Yeah, you may be right. But let me read Danny in London here. Danny writes, holy crap, said a Walking Dead producer. (laughs) How much is this tiger costing our CGI budget? Let's find (laughs) some lame ass way to kill it off. 10 rotten moldy walkers overpowering a 200 pound tiger. Yeah, that's believable. What a crappy way for Shiva to go. Tigers can take down elephants. How did the walkers get the best of her? I'm Googling tiger weight. <laughs> yeah. I think 200 pounds is light for a tiger. Yeah, I think so too. We're talking uh, uh, 90 to 310 kilograms. Right. That's, so you're. What the hell does that mean? I'm Canadian and I still don't know what that means. You're talking like 250 to 700, 800 pounds. Yeah. Right. Think about it. I weigh nearly 200 pounds. That tiger weighs a lot more than I do. Oh, yeah. Anyways, doesn't matter, but the point is, I, I'm I'm going to choose not to believe that Shiva was killed for budgetary reasons, because that just is such a huge bummer. That's cynical. That's, it's way, uh, is it too cynical? I don't know, it's, but it is pretty cynical. It's a little cynical. and It may be true, but it's cynical. Yeah, it may be, and Danny is not the only person to, to point that out to us via email this week. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people had that reaction to it. I choose to just kind of be sad by the whole thing and wish that, 
even as though I, I, I didn't think they'd ever bring the tiger into the show because, you know, it's a tiger <laughs> in a zombie TV show. I was sad to see her go at this point. Yeah. So. It's too bad. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, the king is dead. Long live the king. By king, I mean his silly persona. I am most definitely looking forward to seeing him as just a guy tempered by a staggering defeat and his overconfidence during that defeat. He'll come back. Yeah, I think he'll come back too. But for now, for now, he'll just be some guy. Adam in Texas writes, The King's and Still I Smile speech was pretty awesome. I know he's fun to goof on with his kingisms, but that one was, that was one hell of a damn good speech. Kudos to the writers and actor. And uh, I agree with that. Kari Payton is fantastic. Um, Michael in London writes, Holy crap, after crawling through those nettles, Rick better look better not look for that driver he needs a dock leaf only thing that can soothe a nasty nettle sting and, i don't know what those words are well I, i'm not sure either but if you get stung by nettle stinging nettle dock leaf apparently soothes it and maybe that's something like you know aloe aloe is a plant i don't know <laughs> stinking nettle it's a plant yeah huh. well stinging nettle i know is a plant i've been touched i've been stung by stinging nettle before but i didn't know what a dock leaf was probably a british thing dock yeah leaf. Uh, google knows what i'm talking about i'm sure it does uh what i was thinking when rick was crawling through that grass is well you better check yourself for ticks man you don't want to get a tick oh yeah ticks are big right now uh, they are big i worry about the kids with the ticks like if we're out in the countryside somewhere yeah so you gotta watch out i hope rick doesn't have any ticks uh, okay, finally, Paul in England writes, holy crap, did you see Carol go from hiding behind a counter uh, to in the goddamn ceiling <laughs> in the time it took a dude to walk around a corner? I mean, what the fuck? Did she get bitten by a radioactive spider from that chemical <laughs> leak or something? Exactly. <laughs> so, it's funny uh, that I said she was Spider-Man then. That's, yeah, it is funny. Um, I Paul agree. Had, had the same thought. Uh, I think we are meant to understand that a little more time passed from when she was like sitting behind the counter to when those saviors came walking through. Obviously enough time for her to find a better hiding spot. Secretly, very sneakily, very breakfast clubby. Yes, that's right. Breakfast clubby. <laughs> think she was telling a joke while she was up there? A blonde walks into a bar holding a six foot salami <laughs> under one arm and a... Oh, good. You know it. <laughs> I didn't know it. I was hoping you did. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's six foot salami, but uh, what is it? Holding a holding a salami in one arm and a dog in the other or something. Bartender <laughs> says to her, and then he falls through the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. It's so good. Um, I love The Breakfast Club. I've seen it. I saw... Dozens of times. Know. Just speaking of jokes, I saw a caption where this snowman's eating a piece of cake, and uh, he says to the other snowman... Uh, this tastes like boogers. It's like, well, it is carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Nothing. It's funny. It's funny. This whole episode was funny, so I think I'd throw it a joke there. All right. Why not? It's a pretty good dad joke. I mean, you tell it the kids. It's a pretty good joke. You can tell the kids that one yes, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell them yesterday. <laughs> I'll see if I can. Well, if you can, if you were Simon, you can send thoughts into the past and pull people out of the 70s. I guess so. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find the... Uh, the actual comic 
so that you can uh, show that to your kids rather than just explaining the joke. To no, them. I, I just want to take credit for it. I'm just going to tell them. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. Thanks, everyone, for sending in your holy craps. Apologies if I missed anyone, but we'll get caught up on Thursday when we do our feedback show. And uh, that is going to do it. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit talkingdeadpodcast.com where all of our episodes are posted going right back to the very beginning and they're all properly categorized and searchable now. The new website is there. I'm slowly making improvements to it as we go on, but so far I really, really like it. And um, you can also click on send voicemail to uh, send us messages if you want. That's a good way to get in touch. Um, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Please remember to use our Amazon links. As I said earlier, all of the proceeds for November is going to turn around and be sent right into the Canadian Cancer Society. So visit the website, click on Amazon to do that. And... We have a merch store, too. There's a link at the top of the website uh, for store, and that'll kick you over to our T Public store where you can buy our stuff or some other cool stuff that we think is neat that's available on there from other artists. So you're supporting, you know, talented artists no matter what and uh, maybe getting a cool shirt or a mug or a phone case or something like that. So check that out if you want. Cool. Yeah, I got some shirts on the way, Jason, and I've been Good. meaning to, to get you one, so you need a Talking Dead shirt. I do. Yes, you do. You can walk around and people ask you, what's that? Look how cool that is. Where'd you get that? That's a thing I do. I talk on the internet and about this show. And maybe you'll get recognized like I did one time. Oh, yeah. The one and only time I got recognized. It was pretty neat, though. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, everyone, to do feedback from you guys about this episode of The Walking Dead. So send in all your messages and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. And uh, until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. into a bar with a poodle under one arm and a two-foot salami under the other. She lays the poodle on the table. Bartender says, I suppose you won't be needing a drink. Naked lady says, Bring out my pencil.